0: Welcome back to Scary Bear Attacks. Today's episode takes us to Santa Monica, California. Yes, I'm not joking. Not the town of today, but a century and a half ago. Before the freeways and high-rise buildings of today, Santa Monica was a seaside bear haven. And yes, some of those bears were grizzly bears. In 1853, the area may have had about a 100 people and was starting to be farmed by Mexican settlers. The local plant life was an assortment as diverse as box elder and maple to saltbush and manzanita. The temperatures were very steady without a frost and rarely going above 90 degrees. This is the perfect environment for many different plant species as well as animals. One of those animal species that thrived in the area were brown bears. Andy Sublet was 46 years old on December 19th and enjoyed hunting bears and many other animals in the area. He was very proficient and was known in the area as a good guy to have around, the ranch, to keep the many predators from eating livestock. The winters in Santa Monica were less humid than the summers and consequently there was less fog. The heat wasn't as bad so it made for easy and satisfying hunting. It wasn't hard to find enough deer to keep the pot filled. But Andy really enjoyed finding and harvesting those giant brown bears that lived in the area. Their hide made great rugs, and could be sold for a fair price, and the meat wasn't too bad either. Andy and a few of his friends decided to head up above the hills beyond the beach and see what kind of luck they might be able to find. They each decided to hunt a different area and split up accordingly. Andy and his dog Mick followed a low ridge above a small creek, which was overgrown with manzanita and box elder. The thick brush made for a great place for animals to hide, but also granted Andy great cover as he searched for game. Typically, the hunting trips weren't really long as the game was plentiful and success was nearly inevitable any time the hunters went out. As Andy crossed the top of a low ridge, he could see a large brown mound slowly strolling across the hill opposite the creek. The hillside was covered with a new crop of clover, which the bear was munching a path through. Andy knew this was a great opportunity to harvest a large animal that would provide a lot of meat and a great hide, so he crept into shooting position and began to aim for the bear's vital area. He rested his rifle across a tree limb for support and fired. The bear immediately tossed and turned in pain, then dashed into the bush where Andy could no longer see him. Mick bolted down the hill and immediately started barking at the bottom of the draw. Andy could hear the bear rustling around in the bush a bit and waited to see if it might show itself for a second shot. He reloaded and kept watching and waiting for an opportunity. The bear didn't run far and didn't quit making noise moving around as Mick continued to bark at him. After about 45 minutes of waiting, Andy decided to sneak down to where he heard the rustling to see if the bear had died yet. He hadn't heard a death moan, which is characteristic when a bear dies. It's almost a sad lament from the bear and can be heard from a few hundred yards in distance. He began sneaking through the underbrush toward where he had heard the rustling. The brush was parched at this point in the year due to the dry Santa Ana winds, and that didn't help Andy, as he could no longer hear anything but crunching and crackling. Andy traveled about 80 yards toward the rustling noise when Mick began to growl. Andy continually pointed his rifle in the direction that he'd heard the rustling, but wasn't aware of the fact that he'd just passed the location. He walked right beside the injured bear, which took cover in a small gully. The brown bear burst from a dense stand of box alder to Andy's right and knocked him to the ground far too quickly for Andy to react. The bear bit him repeatedly as Mick barked and distracted the bear as best he could. Andy's gun was knocked from his hands upon impact and the bear pinned him to the ground with one paw while it bit his shoulder and clawed him about the head and neck with the other. The power of the bear was overwhelming and continually kept Andy from mounting any defense. Anytime he would try something, the bear would simply swat at him and knock him rolling. Mick dodged and nipped but was swatted away a few times as well. Andy knew the desperation of the situation and that his only defense was his hunting knife, still sheathed on his hip. Andy slid his right hand down along his side as the bear continued to chew on his left shoulder and pulled out the five-inch razor-sharp knife. Andy began plunging the knife into the bear's ribs at first, over and over, hoping to stop the attack. The bear reacted to the blade by snapping its jaws away from Andy's shoulder and toward the hand holding the blade. This brought the bear's neck very near his right hand, and Andy began plunging the blade into the bear's neck. The bear's blood poured from the neck wounds, and Andy could tell the wounds were fatal, but wasn't sure his own were not. The bear and Andy were both covered in blood as the neck wounds started to take effect on the bear. The bear started to open and close his mouth as the blood from his wounds filled his gullet. The bear's attack lost significant intensity, and it started to back away from the man in hesitation. Andy watched as the bear first sat down on its rear, then slowly laid down as the blood pooled around it. That is when Andy's dire situation dawned on him. He began assessing his injuries and knew it was not good. He had deep wounds from the bear's claws on his neck and chest. His shoulders were bitten thoroughly and clawed up as well. He wasn't sure where his rifle ended up, but he knew he didn't have time to find it. He slowly got to his feet and fought off dizziness due to the blood loss. He strained his voice calling Mick to follow him and slowly limped his way up the small hill above the attack site. It took him several hours just to go the short distance back to meet his friends. They were horrified to see his wounds and were surprised he made it back to meet them at all. They helped him back to his house and a local doctor was called to his home. His injuries were bandaged and cleaned. Andy struggled to recover for seven days, but his wounds were too much. Mick made a full recovery, but Andy died one week after the attack.